so sweet to be together. Welcome here this morning to uh, what we're calling both Equipping Men for the Men's Ministry, and we're calling it Equipping Women. That's the formal name. That's what you'll see printed. And, uh, and we're going to call it EQ for short. So if you hear us refer to EQ, it's for Equipping Men, Equipping Women. And you should have received, did everybody receive a binder on their way in? Everybody have a binder? Excellent. Perfect. So you can go ahead and open that to the first page. And I'm going to talk about the name in a minute when we talk about what we're really going after, what we're seeking to be about as a ministry. But uh, if you open up to the first page, we're going to, I just want to point a couple things out about your binder there so that you can navigate it with us as we work through our various lessons. On the front page, you should have the, uh, the schedule. Everybody see that there? So it should say equipping women, Saturday mornings, and then semester one, semester two. Uh, this is the first year's schedule that we're planning to work through together. And so you can kind of see the, the main heading there. And we'll talk a little bit more in a few minutes about the various topics that we're going to be covering over the course of the year. This is the first year. There's a second year as well. But as this is the first time that we're going through this together, this schedule is, is subject to change. I don't think the dates will change. But if we get on a topic and it seems clear we need to take a couple weeks on that topic or something comes up in the life of the church and we determine it would serve us better to to spend a little bit more time on one thing or another thing um, we definitely may have that and we'll just keep you abreast of those changes let you know when they're coming up and um, but this way you can kind of see where we're going over the over the course of this next year and then if you turn to the next page this is going to be our outline each week and each time we're together out on the front we'll have a new packet for that week's outline. So you should see semester one, week one, overview, word of God. That should be the page that you're looking at right now. And that's the content that we're going to work through this morning. And we'll work through that content in just a few moments. And then if you look on the side of your, in, inside your folder, there's a little tab. And if you flip that tab, so you skip all of the outline, everybody still with me? You should see review all the Old Testament themes. This section is a resource section. And there's a few pages in there. You can see a review of the Old Testament themes. You can see review all the New Testament themes, the Old Testament story. And then a, a really important page in this is the one that's laminated. We're not going to spend very much time on this laminated page today, but we will spend time together in future weeks on this page. And you can see some key dates there that are really critical. They're really helpful to understand these dates and how they fit within the context of history and our Old Testament. And then on the other page is a uh, pictorial timeline or description of the key events that take place in our Old Testament in order. And we're going to walk through that together over time. And we're going we're gonna to work through that together and uh, each one of you will have to come up front and recite it in front of everybody. Just joking. Just making sure you're awake. Okay. Everybody's awake. No, but we might work in, in small groups just talking through that, working through that over the course of the year. Um, but that's going to, a lot of this information is going to uh, comprise what we're calling biblical literacy part of our time together where we're seeking to, to grow in our biblical literacy, our understanding of our Bible, key events in our Bible, key dates in our Bible, key themes in our Bible as well as uh, extremely helpful book chapter theme. Uh, and so each week you're going to get a few verses that pertain to the lesson that are book chapter theme of things that we're talking about. So for example, if we're talking about shepherding our hearts, 
And if you don't know what that, that means, we'll get into that in a little bit. But shepherding our hearts. If you go, okay, where in scripture does it help remind me, help point me to shepherding my, my heart? You could go Proverbs 4, keep your heart. Okay, and then you turn there and you know where to find it. And you go, oh, now I can find the, the, the verse. Watch your heart with all diligence for from it flow the wellspring of life. And so it's a, a, a tool to grow in our Bible knowledge, our, our biblical literacy to be able to navigate our Bibles to, to shepherd our hearts. So that's just an overview of your binder. There may be additional resources that we add over the course of the year into that resources section. That's just kind of a starting point that's available for us and we'll, we'll work through it in, in different ways in different weeks. Um, and then the rest is, is kind of the outline. So go ahead and turn back to the beginning and uh, just the second page. So overview, word of God. And we're gonna start there. And before we do, I'm just gonna open our time in prayer together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. What a beautiful morning uh, with rain last night and fresh, clean air and uh, even almost a, a hint of coolness this morning. Uh, Lord, we're just thankful as all of these uh, sweet gifts are reminders of your mercies that are new each morning and how they abound in our lives as ones who have been saved by your grace and reconciled to you. And, and we know that you've given us every single thing that we need this day to please you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would set our attention, even this morning, to pleasing you in this time, that you would be glorified, that you would be honored. And, and as we set our sights on, on this next year and wanting to just continue to grow in godliness, I pray that you would use uh, the sacrifices um, that are made to even be here and to participate, that you would use those uh, as a means of of helping each one of us grow more and more into godliness and usefulness, greater usefulness, uh, for you. I pray that we truly would love each other well and and bless one another and be blessed and that you would receive all the glory in all of these things. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I want to start, first of all, just by thanking you. I mean, my, my heart, I was, I was praying that there would be anyone that signed up and wanted to participate in this. And then there's 26 women who have signed up and, and my heart just just leaps with joy. I'm just overwhelmed with gratefulness that you women women would be here because I know it, it does come at a cost. And, and to think about how precious family mornings are, how busy life is, and for you to make the sacrifice for your husbands to make the, the sacrifice to kind of take soul duty in the morning on a Saturday morning to be here is, is just extraordinary and such a blessing. It's, it's really encouraging. And, and so thank you. Thank you for participating. Has anybody ever uh, purchased a new build house? Anybody did that? Okay, great. So you can tell me, I've never done that. Julie and I have had two houses and they were already built when we bought them. Um, you can tell me if this is accurate or not, but this is, uh, by way of illustration, this is what I imagine, okay? You get prepared for this house and it, you go and you look at different houses and you're like, okay, this is really exciting. This is the one that we want. And they, okay, okay here's where it's going to be. You got to wait a certain amount of time. We're going to start building it. We'll let you know when things start moving along. And there's excitement and enthusiasm. And they're like, hey, we've started your house. It's being built. And listen, the foundation has been laid. You can come look at it. And you show up and you look at it and there's a plot of land and there's a slab of concrete and there's your house. You're like, that's not my house. 
when's my house going to be there? Well, I think that's what this morning might be for us, okay? Ground is going to be cleared. Uh, plumbing might be laid. Foundation might be there. It might not feel as if it's all that you hope it would be, but it's necessary. And over this year, we hope to build more and more on this content. And what we're going to cover this morning is really crucial as the foundation to be able to build upon. And so uh, if you're disappointed by this morning, please come back. <laughs> That's all I'm trying to say. But I think it will be beneficial for us to, to work, work through these things to kind of lay this foundation together. So first, what's the purpose? What are we going after with equipping women? What is on the heart of the elders here at Gilbert Bible? Well, it's this. You have it in your outline there. The purpose of the equipping women ministry, the purpose of EQ, is to equip and encourage women of Gilbert Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus with the word of God so that they live gospel-transformed lives thus maturing in the faith and being a means of strengthening the church and it's a gospel purpose for the glory of God. That's what we're aiming at. That's what our desire is. That's what we want to see the Lord accomplish. And turn to Ephesians 4 for just a moment. This is really uh, a, an insightful passage that we reference a lot because it's so directive for the church. It's so instructive for us when we think about what we need to be going after as the body of Christ. We turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at just a couple verses briefly here, but starting in verse 11. So Ephesians 4, verse 11, Paul says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. And then here's the purpose of the pastors and teachers. So he gave some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, that is the, the believers, the holy ones, the set apart, those who are positionally set apart for God. So that's every Christian, the equipping of the saints for the work of service to serve. So the pastors, the teachers within the church are to equip the servant, the, the saints for service the work of service, for what end? To the building up of the body of Christ. You see, the how God grows the church, how the church is built up, isn't by pastors doing it all. But actually, pastors equip the saints to be God's means to building one another up within the church. And we see this expounded upon in verse 13 and 14, where Paul says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, this is what it looks like to, to be built up in the body of Christ. It's to attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. And as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming, and then here we, we see this emphasis again. But speaking the truth in love, this is the body. These are the saints doing this. We, as the church, are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And if you were to just cut that down to the most basic parts of speech in regards to a clause, it would be this. The subject, the body, 
or the whole body, right? And then that participial phrase in the middle, if you were just to, to pause on that and look at where's the main verb, it would be the whole body causes, is the verb, the growth of the body. And all of those other things are describing what's going on and how that's working. But the main idea is that the body causes the growth of the body. And so our purpose, our desire in EQ is that we would equip all of you all the more to grow and grow and continue to mature. And as we all should desire to continue to mature in Christ so that we would be more and more useful in serving one another for the building up of the church to the glory of God. So that's really the purpose. And then uh, you don't have to turn there, but you're probably familiar with 2 Timothy 3.16, which says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped equipped for every good work. And that's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And thinking about what God has to say about his word there and the means of how he uses his word to equip saints. All of scripture is God-breathed and useful for all these things so that we may be equipped, ready for every good word. In light of that, our desire is that we would both instruct for the building up of the saints, but that God's word would be the focal point of our instruction because the greatest equipping, the greatest means for us to grow in maturity is God using his word in conjunction with his spirit in the life of the believer to be grown and matured in Christ. So one of the key means of maximizing both your equipping for service and building up of the body, one of the primary means of growing and maturing in your faith one of the most fruitful means of growing in your love and your relationship with Christ is your shepherding of your heart with God's word. Now, this next part is, is, is really foundational for everything that we're going to be working through and discussing over the next two years in EQ. And that is this. What does it mean to shepherd your heart? And many of you I know are, are very familiar with that term. And so, for some of you, that might be a newer, a newer term or a less familiar idea. Uh, but we need to have unity in what we mean and what we understand when we say and hear shepherd your heart. And so I have it there for you in your notes under the, the next little section under purpose of equipping women ministry. It's the, the short little statement there that says shepherding your heart is the intentional practice. Is everybody with me? You guys see where I'm at? Excellent. No? Yes? Okay. Shepherding your heart is the intentional practice of bringing your heart to the word of God so that it is transformed, I'm, excuse me, informed and transformed by the God of the word. Shepherding your heart is the intentional practice of bringing your heart to the word of God so that it is informed and transformed by the God of the word. Now let's unpack that a little bit together. What shepherding your heart is, is keeping your heart. It's caring for your heart. It's an intentional direction that you give to your inner self. And when we talk about heart, we talk about the, the seat of all of your emotions and thinking and you. Your heart is really your inner being, your core person. Who you are is summed up in 
your heart. So we're not talking about your little literal heart. We're not talking about your emotions primarily. They're definitely a part of it. But your inner you is your heart. And we see the call, as I mentioned just a few moments ago from Proverbs 4.23, that we are actually called to keep our heart or to guard or to watch. All of those would be synonyms from the the Hebrew word that's there to guard. And the idea from Proverbs 4.23, when it says keep your heart or watch your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, is really probably most closely linked to a guard, uh, standing watch. And it would be like a guard standing watch on a castle wall at night. That's the imagery there. And for that guard, the most susceptible time for the city is at night because it's most difficult to see potential threats. And so that night watchman has to be tuned in, has to be alert. And you've all looked to try to see something in the distant in the night and you strain and you're You're trying to take in as much as you can with your eye. There's an intentionality, an intent focus. And that's the imagery that's behind that word to watch or to keep. It's a a safeguarding, an intentional guarding of your heart because that's the most critical part of who you are. External actions, your physical body, those things are all peripheral in contrast to your heart, your inner being. Because where your inner being lies, who you are at the inner being level, that's going to impact everything on the outside. We can clean up our actions on the outside. We can fool others, fool ourselves, uh, but who we are at our core is ultimately what God sees and what matters before the Lord. So as we consider shepherding our heart, for clarity's sake, let's talk a little bit about what shepherding your heart is not. What do we not mean by shepherding your heart? Well, Some of these things exclusively, so only, does not equal shepherding your heart. Some of these things may be a part of your practice of shepherding your heart, but for clarity, just because you do this does not mean you automatically are shepherding your heart. So number one, checking a box on a reading plan. That is not shepherding your heart. Checking a box on a a reading plan is not shepherding your heart in and of itself. A designated time of reading your Bible each day and yet not submitting to the Lord with your life is not shepherding your heart. If you spend 30 minutes in the morning reading your Bible and then you go about your day and your life is unaffected by God, by his truth, by his word, and you're living just, you're living and thinking and acting just as the world acts, that, that is not an indication that you're shepherding your heart simply because you read your Bible for 30 minutes. Unbelievers read the Bible. So simply reading the Bible does not mean that you're shepherding your heart. Knowing good theology does not equal shepherding your heart. Just because you know things that are true about God doesn't mean that you're actually bringing them to bear on your heart and your life. Pointing out what others are doing wrong it's not shepherding your heart. So having, having a moral antenna that applies to those around you does not mean you're shepherding your heart, caring for your children, caring for your husband, caring for your friends. Just because you have insight as to what is morally right before the Lord doesn't mean that you are shepherding your heart. Winning arguments, 
making fun of others who believe differently, obviously, doing good things for society, contributing, doing appropriate moral acts in our culture does not mean that you're shepherding your heart. So, in contrast, what is shepherding your heart? What does it look like? What are some practical indicators that you are caring for your heart well, that you're shepherding your heart, that you're keeping your heart? Well, first and foremost, what shepherding your heart is, is going to the word of God to meet with the God of the word. Going to the word of God to meet with the God of the word. And so the goal is to learn how to love God more from his word. It's a submissive heart towards God's word. It's a humble, a heart of humility toward God in his word. Even a, a right fear of God in his word. I want to please him. I want to serve him. I want to love him in everything that I do. It's to have your belief in the reality of who God is and what God has done in the gospel impact all areas of your life to, to marinate and, and be saturated in God's word. It's to agree with God. What's shepherding your heart? It's telling your inner self, agree with God about him and about you and what is right and what is good and what your conduct should look like and how to navigate life and its various circumstances in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. It's to know God from his word and have that transform your life into more and more likeness of your Savior Jesus. It's to worship God in all of life. It's a Romans 12, 1 and 2, to by the mercies of God, by the gospel, by what God has given you in Christ, to present yourself as a living sacrifice for his purposes, for his glory, for his means. It's a, a separation, a transformation of your mind and thinking that actually separates you from the world. world. And so you meet with God in prayer and, and reading truth. You see the God of the word and you align your thoughts with God throughout the day. And that's where simply reading your Bible in the morning and then going about your life is not enough. There needs to be a continual meditation upon and, and having your life impacted so that when you are tempted with your children to lash out in anger, you remember, oh, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Lord, help me. Help me be self-controlled. When different things happen that don't meet your expectations or your desires for the day and you're, you're threatened with discontentment um, or anger or embitterment, you go, oh, the Lord calls me to be sensible. I need to be stable in my thinking. How should I navigate these circumstances in a way that can, that can please the Lord and, and honor him? So, as we do this, we, we look to God's word and we, we crave it and we long for it and we treasure God's truth because we know within it we have what we need by the spirit of God to be able to please God in life's various circumstances and issues that we face. Well, we'll be covering what we refer to as shepherding your heart, which is, is discipline one. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment, more later. Um, but really, as we move forward we need to contemplate as we're working through this material, how does this have an actual impact and bearing on my heart so that I might grow in godliness? So that's what we mean by shepherding your heart. 
Now, as we move through this morning, we're going to talk a little bit more about various disciplines that we'll be covering in EQ, and those disciplines primarily pertain to your heart and your home and your ministry, and we'll cover that a little bit more. Over the course of the next two years, we're also going to be covering things regarding the Word of God. We're going to start that today, and next meeting we're going to um, cover that as well. So we'll spend two times together talking about the Word of God we're going to cover things like ecclesiology, which is the study of the church, the theological term for what does God have to say about the church, and how does that interconnect with my life and how I think about serving and being served and ministry and participation and my family and engagement in church with my family and all of those things. We'll be talking about that. How should I think about teaching and leadership and and so forth. We're going to look at attributes of God. We're going to look at promises of God together. We're going to talk about shepherding children. We're going to talk about biblical repentance. We're going to seek to grow in Bible knowledge as well as character. We're going to spend time talking about God's instruction for husbands and wives. And we're going to talk about conflict resolution, developing convictions, and other topics. So we have our work cut out for us the next couple years, but hopefully it'll be sweet and beneficial as we work through those things. And then each time we meet, we're going to spend a short time working through biblical literacy, as I said, and, and there's some resources that we looked at at the beginning this morning that help with that. So that's just a really brief overview, some definitions to help set the, the foundation for us. Now, uh, go ahead and turn to the net. Oh, actually, it's on that same page. If you see the blue highlighted expectations, I want to talk just a little bit about expectations for the coming two years and, and what we're hoping um, for you in regards to your participation. First of all, our encouragement is that you participate in daily Bible reading, that you aspire towards that. Obviously, all of us will do that imperfectly, uh, but aim at that and come up with a plan. So... We highly recommend something like a read through the Bible in a year plan so that you can work through what God's word has to say as we're going through these various issues over the course of a year and, and really um, be exposed to all of God's truth and all of God's word. And one of the things that we also recommend if you choose to do a read through the Bible in a year plan is to pick a theme or two and look for that theme throughout scripture. So some examples of themes that you could look for is look for the glory of God, look for the character of God, and you could even narrow that down. I'm going to look for the grace of God in scripture or the love of God or, you know, the wrath of God or the judgment of God. If you want to be real bold, maybe look for those things. Uh, look for forgiveness of sin. Look for God's instruction to man. Look for just in any sort of theme along those lines as you work through the Bible. And I tell you what, you, you will be blessed to see the continuity of those types of things throughout Scripture. And he's, even as I'm talking through this now, if you have more questions about that or, or want to dialogue more, I'd be happy to talk with you offline about various ideas of themes and things that I've done over the years and, and ways that I've been blessed in that. But the, the desire, the encouragement, the expectation is that you would have an intentional plan to expose your heart to God's word. Could that be read through the New Testament in a year? Yes. Could it be read through the Old Testament in a year? Yes. Could it be read through the Bible in a year? Yes. Read through the Bible twice in a year? Sure. So we don't want to micromanage what, what you're doing to shepherd your heart. But as a woman of the Lord who loves the Lord, it is absolutely beneficial and a helpful practice in shepherding your heart to expose your heart to the word of God consistently in. And so have a plan. Be intentional. Come up with a plan to read through 
uh, scripture regularly. The encouragement is at least a, a read through the Bible in a year plan and, and just kind of work through that. The next expectation is just participation. Just be involved. Uh, be here when you can. When you can come, be here. Make an effort to be here. And if for some reason you can't be here, that's perfectly fine. But listen to the recording um, so that you keep up and are exposed to the content that we're going through. We'll send out an email with the uh, outlines for each week. Or uh, actually, I think we're posting them, right? We won't be sending it out. We will be posting um, on online the outlines after our meeting each week. So you can post or you can download those and then you can also download the, the recording and listen or watch watch that. Uh, in your participation, uh, prayerfully con consider or contemplate the lessons that we cover. Think, think intentionally and thoughtfully about them. Also, uh, the expectation is just in your participation, seek to serve others in your participation. And, and listen, for some, for some of you, that will mean when we split into to discussion groups, you're going to need to speak up and share and contribute where you might just want to be there and not ever say a word. Serve others by participating actively. For others, that might be you need to be quiet sometimes and not dominate the conversation. I fall in that category. That's where I have to shepherd my heart to participate in a way where not everything that comes in my mind needs to bless everybody that is in my presence. And so for some of us, it's speaking up a little bit more when it's uncomfortable. For some of us, it's being quiet where we're impulsively wanting to share and talk. Um, but, but participate, encourage one another, serve one another. Just your presence, your prayers, your participation is a means of serving one another. And so make good use of that. And then I, I talked already about attendance, listening, and so forth. Okay, any questions at this point? Yes. On the, um, yeah, the question is, will the, where will they be posted? Uh, on the Gilbert Bible website, there's a ministries tab. And then when you go down to that ministries tab, and correct me if I'm wrong, we have equipping men, equipping women. And so if you click on that, in that section will be like the list of all the lessons. We'll have them there. Is that okay? Yep. That's where we're planning to have those, including the outline. So it'll be like if, you ha if you've looked at the um, – website under resources and then sermons and you click on that there's a whole searchable box we probably won't have a searchable box for the lessons like we do on sermons but if you just scroll down there's the last several and then if you click on that it has the youtube link like box and then you can also do the audio and then there's an outline box it'll be like that except under the ministry equipping men ministries and then equipping men for men equipping women for women Good question. Okay, all right, we'll keep moving along. Our plan is to go through um, our lesson until eight, and then at eight, we're gonna split into groups and we'll divide you, and that'll be your group for uh, at least the next semester. And then we'll just kind of make decisions from there if we keep them the same or, or mismatch, but it'll, it'll be that group for at least the first semester. So uh, you can go ahead and turn the page and you should be now in your outline on overview of the biblical disciplines of the Christian life. Everybody with me? Perfect. Okay. So
I would just want to speak to these briefly this morning, and then we're going to, it's funny, whenever that thing does whatever it does, there's like a, uh. <laughs> um, we're going to dive into these in more detail. So this is just a 20,000 bird's eye view um, flyover of these biblical disciplines. And these are the same disciplines that if you were in Build or Wellspring at Grace Bible Church, uh, we've covered for years. And, the, and they're really crucial and, and really key components for the Christian life. And it's we're going to be kind of cyclically working through these things over the next two years where they'll be integrated in our lessons and we'll be working through these things in more detail. We've already talked about the heart or shepherding the heart, discipline one, the importance of shepherding your heart, caring for your heart. And so D1 or discipline one is the heart. And that's where the faithful Christian shepherds their heart worshipfully toward God through the word of God. And, and as I mentioned before, this is more than a 30-minute devotional, but this is something where a, a, a devotional in the morning actually feeds a life that is submitted before, humbled before, eager to obey uh, God through his word, through our knowledge of his word. And so shepherding your heart, first the discipline that we'll be covering is, is the, the heart care, D1, discipline one, shepherding the heart. The next is the home. And so that's discipline too. That's what we're going to be covering as well over the course of the next couple of years is, is our care for our home. And we have the, the summary statement there for you. And that's that the faithful Christian is concerned for those in their home and ministers to them in accordance to their role with their heart fixed on God and his word. Okay. So both men and women are called to be faithful in their homes, and God has designed specific roles in his creative order that men and women are to embrace. And same for children. Children have a call. Believing children are called to a certain faithfulness and a care and a disciplined life within their home that embraces the appropriate role that God has given them as children in their home. So for men, that is Christ-like, humble, self-giving, loving leadership. For women, it's Christ-imitating, submissive, joyful, helpful, respectful service. And that's God's intention within the home. And each faithful Christian is to be concerned for, to be diligent about, to be faithful in embracing that role to the glory of God in the context that they find themselves within their homes. And so we'll be talking more and more about what that means and what that looks like. But for the, for the believer, for the faithful Christian who's been transformed by God's grace, in order to do that, there must be consistency in your own shepherding of your heart, right? For your inner self to step into your home faithfully, there has to be intentional direction given, founded upon God's word as to what that looks like and how to do that, how to go about that. And so that's where these disciplines, they really build one upon the other. They complement one another. They, they accentuate the benefits of one another and your ability to fall in line and be faithful in each of these. And so the Christian life needs to start with shepherding your own heart. And then as you're doing that, the overflow of that, that should feel the effects first and, and foremost are your home. It's within your home. Those in your home should feel the effects. There should be a faithfulness in the immediate proximity of your home as an outpouring of your own heart care. In fact, to care for your heart well and then neglect your role and your responsibilities and your duties within your home and go do other things would be hypocritical. 
it would be an expression of a lack of faithfulness. And so D1, first, is, is the care for your own heart. Discipline two is then have the outflow of that be expressed through a faithfulness in your home, a diligence in your home, discipline two. And then discipline three is ministry, ministry. And we see that the faithful Christian with a heart fixed on keeping their God-given ministry within the home their priority then steps into the church and every additional part of life to shepherd others toward God and the gospel, to care for others, to encourage others, to serve others. And this happens as an, as an outflow and an overflow of those who are caring well for their hearts with God's word, who are shepherding their hearts with God's word well, are expressing faithfulness in the immediate proximity and context of their home, and then that overflows into life and ministry and so forth. Now, sometimes it can be viewed as if these are three compartmentalized areas that are separate, right? I've got a shepherd by home, and so I'm, I put off church body life so that I can shepherd my home well. And this is a misappropriation or, or misapplication of these disciplines. There is an element where if you are not training your children in the Lord, if you are not serving your husband faithfully, you should not be leading other women in the Lord. But what that doesn't mean is I can't go to church. I can't go to EQ. I can't go to fellowship group until I've done what I'm supposed to be doing in home, in my home. In fact, one of God's means for growing you both in your own heart care, in your faithfulness in the home is the corporate body of Christ. So ministry, faithfulness and ministry does not equal participation in the church. And sometimes that's misunderstood. Sometimes it's, I've had a hard week, I'm tired, the kids have been unruly, I'm just going to stay home from fellowship group tonight because I got I to gotta care for my home, and I can't go to fellowship group. And actually what you need is you need to go to fellowship group, confess sin, be admonished, so you can step into your home with greater faithfulness the next morning. And sometimes you need to stay home. <laughs> so, but we don't want to pit those things against each other, as if I can't go be a member in the church until... I've got my life together. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about growing faithfulness that compounds and increases your usefulness in caring for others within the church. And we'll unpack this more as we get on. So if that's still fuzzy or if you have further questions, just be patient. We'll get there. We'll talk about that more. We'll unpack that more. But that's just a, a basic overview. Any questions on, a, on the overview of the biblical disciplines of the Christian life? I'm like, if you have any questions, just be patient. We'll figure those things out over time. Do you have any questions? <laughs> it was a trap. You passed. <laughs> Good job. I didn't mean it to be. All right, next page. All right, I want to talk just a little bit about what we mean by growing in biblical literacy. And we're going to cover this briefly. I talked a little bit about, uh, about this on the front end, but we're going to spend some time uh, most of the sessions that were together, just something like five or ten minutes, most likely on the front end of our time together, where we spend some time reviewing biblical literacy. What do I mean by biblical literacy? That's just our understanding and knowledge and ability to navigate well our Bibles. It's just to, to understand themes, basic theologies, uh, key events, key dates, key passages, that, how, the, how the Bible intersects with, with various issues of life. 
And so as we seek to grow in biblical literacy, we'll cover some things. And, and this first kind of uh, point there is going to be covered in some periodic lessons that we rotate through. And those are things like some, some broad categories of systematic theology. Um, so things like bibliology. What is that? The study of the Bible. Fancy term for study of the Bible. Um, theology proper. That's the, the theology of God. Who is God? What is he like? We'll look at things about the promises of God, the character of God, things like that. Ecclesiology from ecclesia. It's the study of the church, the fancy word for the church. What is the church? How do I fit within the church? What are God's expectations for the church? And things like that. So some of our biblical literacy will, will be enhanced and grown uh, through specific lessons dealing with those things. The section that I was talking about where we'll take a little bit of time when we're together um, to, to just sharpen and grow in is the next two sections. And that's knowing key dates, events, and themes in the Bible. Those are a lot of the things that are found in your resources um, section of your folder. And then we'll, we're also going to seek to grow in knowing our Bible and where specific passages speak to specific issues so that we um, can shepherd our hearts well with God's word. And when we think about passages like 2 Peter th uh, 1, 3, that God's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, well, his means of doing that is his spirit working in conjunction with his word that we would know his desires for us. He's given us everything we need. There's nothing that you need in this life to glorify God that can't be found in scripture. God will give you everything that you need to be able to navigate this life in a way that is pleasing to him. And so uh, it's important that we seek to, to have a growing, growing understanding, growing knowledge of those things. And we'll, um, we'll talk about that just a, a, a little bit in regards to preparation for our next meeting um, next time, which I did want to mention, I forgot to mention before in talking about expectations. One of the things that we won't be having is a formal homework. So there's not going to be a section that you need to fill out and then bring in at the next, uh, why aren't you like standing up and high-fiving each other? I was, where's the applause? I, uh, no, there, there won't be a formal homework. There are going to be questions for consideration. So at the end of each section, there's going to be questions for consideration. Those are meant to be tools. If it's helpful to use those in your discussion groups, you can use those questions in your discussion groups. Um, if, it's help, if, if you don't get to that in your discussion group and in your shepherding of your heart, you're thinking about the lesson and how that intersects with your life and you go to those questions, they're just meant to help benefit you um, in whatever way you want to use them. And so no hand homework will be handed in. The discussion times will be at the end of the lessons for now. All this is subject to change. But for now, end of the lessons to talk about what you learned that day to kind of debrief and discuss that with one another. And then there's the, um, the biblical literacy resources and those things. I understand all of you women engaged in the church, you know, seeking to be faithful with wherever God has you, whether that's employment or children or husbands or um, wh whatever season the Lord has you in. Um, there's a lot on your plates, fellowship groups, serving in the church in multitude of ways, um, we want this to be a blessing and understand that your capacity might ebb and flow and yet the reality of what you reap is what you sow is is definitely applicable and so as you have capacity pour into this what you can and trust the Lord you'll benefit and if that's more in certain seasons pour in more and if that's less in certain seasons pour in less and we can trust God with how he uses this in in our lives 
as we work through, but that's the expectation. So no homework, but hopefully resources for you to use as are a blessing. Okay, any questions on that? All right, foundation. We're moving along. We're wearing a lot of hats, jumping around. We're going to start our discussion, our lesson on the Word of God. So in your outline, you should be on the, the page that has the, the bold, the Word of God, bibliology. Perfect. We're going to spend some time this week and next uh, talking about the Word of God, and primarily the Word of God meaning Scripture or the Bible. So when, when I say the Word of God, I'm not talking about an existential, um, audible voice that we hear or an impression in our heart. Uh, we may talk about those things next week towards the end if we have time. Um, but, but what I mean when I say the Word of God is Scripture, the Bible, what we have right here. Um, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're looking at right now. So we're going to spend some time looking at the Word of God from Scripture. And what you believe about the Word of God, so we're not talking about the history of the Bible yet. We're going to talk about that in a moment, just doing a little bit of, of intro to this section on the Word of God. So what you believe about the Bible as we prep to look at what Scripture has to say about itself is absolutely fundamental to the Christian life. It's an essential part of Christianity. And what you believe about the Bible is an essential part of Christianity because the Bible is the exclusive true source for all Christian truth. All Christian doctrine, theology, practices are founded upon and to be based on Scripture. And in fact, nothing will have a greater practical impact on your beliefs than Scripture. Therefore, what you believe about the Bible is absolutely crucial. What we believe as a church, what you individually believe about Scripture is crucial because there's a domino effect either for the good or for the bad in your life for your faith based on what you believe about God's Word. And our earnest desire at Gilbert Bible is that we would be wholly submitted to Scripture, that it, that it, it would be God's gift that it is God's gift to us who know him and that it would be our desire to align ourselves under him by agreeing with him and knowing and understanding what he has revealed through scripture. God, that is the person of God and scripture, everywhere in scripture are intertwined. You can't separate, well, here's some things that are true about scripture and here are some other things different than this that are true about God. Scripture, scripture is consistent with God. What this means is that whatever is true about the character of God is also true about the nature of Scripture. God is true. God is impeccable. God is consistent. God is righteous and pure. Therefore, his word is all of these things as well. And in light of this, what you believe about God's word in reality demonstrates what you believe about God. They're connected. And people don't oftentimes understand this. They want to make certain claims about God where it's convenient and then other claims about Scripture where they have things that Scripture threatens that they want to hold on to. 
And scripture is unlike any other book. It's unlike any other literature written by man. Scripture is living, it's active, it's certain, it's true in every regards. It's cleansing, it nourishes, it sanctifies. The psalmist frequently refers to God's word and its infinite value, more, more precious than all the treasures of the world. And that's not just a superlative for superlative sake. He means it. The word of God can bring life to you, change to your life. What money and possessions could never purchase and could never provide, God's word does and gives you abundantly. And the wisdom of any man is but foolishness in contrast to God's wisdom. And God has chosen to share, to communicate his wisdom to mankind through his word, through scripture. And so as we consider those things, let's talk a little bit about the history of the Bible, the history of our Bible. As we contemplate the importance of scripture, we must consider how it is that we can be sure that the word of God, which was recognized by the early church and recognized as canonical, there we go, uh, has been passed down to us without the loss or or without distortion uh, brought about by man of various materials. Especially knowing that one of the devil's primary goals or tactics of attack on the Christian is one on scripture itself, right? Satan denied God's word with Eve in the garden from the very beginning in Genesis 3. Later, he sought to distort the scripture to Jesus in the wilderness. And we even see him trying to literally destroy the physical scriptures in Jeremiah 36, 23. However, regardless of these attacks, the reality is God's word has and will continue to endure against all enemies. God has promised to preserve his word, and so it is so. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God is faithful. He's true. And so in light of this, no inspired scripture has been lost in the past, and no scripture has been yet undiscovered. We can have a confidence in this. God's truth and God's purposes in scripture will never be thwarted. Nothing that God intended to have remain and nothing that God wrote that was scripture has been yet discovered. God in his divine sovereign power has preserved scripture. This is referred to as the doctrine of preservation. This refers to the acts of God whereby he has preserved through the centuries the written record of his special revelation to his people, scripture. This act of preservation is accomplished both through specific instruction given by God as well as divine providence. He told Israel how to care for the law that he gave them. He gave Israel specific instruction on how to keep God's word and, and protect it and guard it. There's also divine providence where he has preserved his truth. Psalm 119, 152 says, Long have I known from your testimonies that you have founded them forever. Jesus himself in Matthew 5, 18 says every jot and tittle or iota and dot. And Jesus' point is clear when he says that nothing will be changed. It all will remain. That God means everything he says and nothing will keep God from accomplishing everything that God has said. Everything that God has declared will take place. And God has used providential means working through men to faithfully preserve scripture. And so the Bible, having one divine author, was written over 1,500 years through the pens of over 40 men. 
and we know that scripture begins with Moses recording the creation account around 1405 BC in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and scripture ends with the account of eternity future in Revelation 21 and 22 by the Apostle John around 95 AD. So how can we know that what we have today is actually what was supposed to be included in scripture? Well, for the New Testament, over the centuries, there were three widely recognized principles that were used to validate or identify various writings as being scripture. The first was that the writings had to have been authorized by a recognized prophet or apostle or by someone associated with them, one of them. The second was that the writing could not disagree or contradict with previous scripture. And the third is that the church had to display a general consensus that a writing was an inspired book. The Old Testament, by the time of Christ, had been acknowledged by the Jewish community already. And the last book the, of the Old Testament, Malachi, had been finished about 430 B.C. And the, the, the Jewish consensus was the Jewish community had agreement of what the biblical writings were, what the inspired writings were. At the time, at Christ's time, the Old Testament was divided into two lists. Uh, one of those lists was 22 books. It's the same, same content, but they kind of divided it a little different. So some divided it as 22 books, some divided it as 24 books, but it was all the same content. It, it, inc it included the same things. And it was all the same material of the 39 books that we have in our modern Bible. They just combined some books into multiple things. So, for example, the Pentateuch or the Torah was the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, for some, was comprised. That was considered the Torah or the book of the law. Um, and uh, there were others like the minor prophets were considered the 12 and so on. So some of those were, were combined, but it was agreed upon regarding the content. There wasn't any questions there. And it's important to understand that the canon is a collection of divinely authoritative writings. The church or the people of God, they didn't determine which books were inspired. That's not how this worked. It's not that there was all these writings and now the church is the authority and they determine which ones were inspired. The church was simply acknowledging what was already true about what existed. Do you understand the difference? And this is significantly different from like the Catholic church where the Pope or the Catholic leaders, they determined which books they were the authority over scripture and they determined which ones were God's word. That's not the case. The church was affirming what was already true about the scripture. The writings themselves are vested with the authority of God on the basis of divine inspiration. God inspired them, and they, they just possess the authority as inspired scripture because they came from God. They're the word of God because they were written under the Spirit's inspiration. Men recognized them for what they were. They did not decree them to be something. And the canon of scripture is based on the fact of it being inspired, not on the process or the means of the collecting of it. So with that in mind, uh, let's talk a little bit about inspiration. And you have a quote in your outline there. Inspiration. This is where God superintended the human authors of the Bible so that they composed and recorded without error his message to mankind in the words of their original writings. 
God's chosen to reveal himself to mankind. And there are primarily two ways in which he has done this. One is considered general revelation. What would be an example of general revelation? Creation, exactly. You can see God's divine attributes, his eternal power put on display through creation. There's also what's referred to as special revelation. Special revelation is where God reveals himself directly and in greater detail through special means or special revelation. This has come through direct acts of God, through dreams and visions, Christ's incarnation, and scripture. And what we have today is predominantly scripture. That's where we see, that's where we know God speaks to us is from scripture. Now, as it relates to inspiration, there are varying views on how God inspired human authors. And we don't need to get into all of these, but the one that we hold to is verbal plenary inspiration. That means all the words or the words verbal plenary, all of them were inspired from scripture. They're from God. That, that is, God through his spirit inspired every word penned by the human authors in each of the 66 books of the Bible in their original documents. God acted directly on the human authors, and this resulted in the creation of perfectly written revelation. And the Holy Spirit uses individual personalities, language, styles, and historical context in each written book to produce divinely authoritative writings and so men were carried along by the holy spirit and what they wrote was god breathed and that's second timothy three sixteen tells us that they're carried along by the holy spirit this is called divine superintendence god worked through men and brought about what he desired to be brought forth as scripture. God produced the scriptures by influencing the human author's own thoughts, and this resulted in authoritative and inerrant words. Because the word of God came from God himself through men, it was protected from human error in its original record by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, what are just some brief um, explanations of other views on this? Well, there's the dictation theory that God gave human authors the precise words to write, um, the author was just an instrument. So the, uh, essentially the author, it would be like a verbal, audible, write this, write this. That's what happened with Moses in the law, right? God said, here's the Ten Commandments. He told Moses that in regards to the law. But as it pertains particularly to the New Testament writers, um, that's not what we would hold to. And that's not all of what the Old Testament is. Men made historical accounts. Even Moses brought forth historical accounts. God didn't tell him, okay, ready? Write this. In the beginning, in the beginning, that, that's not how that worked. Where he's specifically saying, God told me to write this down. God told him to write that down. Okay, there's a difference there. Partial or conceptual theory, God gave them the, just the general idea. Write about my love. It's really cool. Okay, I'm going to write about his love. That would be another view. Natural theory, they found inspiration for writing of scripture, not from God, but just from within themselves. Obviously, that is not something we would hold to or entertain. And so we see that God's word is inspired. All right, our time is up. We will pick up on inerrancy next time, and we'll keep working through this. Next time we're together, we're going to fill in the gaps a little bit more. We're going somewhere with this. Next time we're together, we'll talk about inerrancy, and then we're going to spend some time talking about authority and how does scripture 
what kind of authority does it bear in our lives and how should we respond? And then we're going to wrap this lesson and next week's lesson up together and say, okay, what does this mean for my heart? What, how does this truth about God's word, how does this actually intersect with my life? How should it impact my thinking? As well as talking about uh, hermeneutic, which probably sounds uh, not exciting, but it is. And it's incredibly helpful. Trust me. It's going to be great. We're going to sentence diagram and talk about, no, I'm just joking. I'll do that in my own time. Uh, and then if we have time, we'll talk about does God still speak? All right, before we split into groups, I want to point out one thing. If you turn one more page to the right, this is the section that I was talking about in regards to ministry passages, where each lesson will have uh, a number of passages that directly intersect with the content that we're covering that week. And so you can see at the top, do you see the disciplines? So here, there's a passage. These, this is not exhaustive. This is over two years we're building a repertoire from Scripture. And even then, we'll have barely scratched the surface. So this isn't, well, why didn't you do this passage on the heart? This passage, I understand there's lots of passages that talk about the heart. These, we're just, we're just going to use ones that are helpful in caring, caring for our hearts and shepherding our hearts with God's word. And so D1, that's discipline one, the heart, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. And so how I would encourage you to use this is to make note cards, take pictures, whatever's helpful for you, but seek to memorize uh, the heart, Proverbs 4. And then in your Bible, if you're an underliner, underline 23 or write something in the margin, something to where you can identify where that is if you turn there in your Bible. So if you're struggling one day and you go, oh, I need to shepherd my heart. I need to remember to shepherd my heart. We're, we're, Proverbs 4. Okay. And then you turn there and you're like, here it is. Okay, so scripture memory is crucial. We should all be aspiring to memorize verbatim scripture. This isn't in place of that, but this is another tool um, for us to have to um, be able to grow in, in shepherding our hearts. So then the next one, Ephesians 5, instruction for husbands and wives. Colossians 3 would be another one for that. Ephesians 4, body causes the growth of the body. So you're memorizing these summary statements and then part of what I would strongly encourage is read these passages in context. So as you're before, before you're just running into memorizing them, familiarize yourself with what they actually say so that when you go there, you, you have some context and understanding of what's taking place. And then some for the word of God. Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active. 2 Timothy 3, scripture is God-breathed and useful. Psalm 19, we see general revelation and special revelation all in one chapter or one book, one psalm rather. Um, so that's, that's a wonderful chapter. Psalm 119, worship in the word. Um, you should memorize Psalm 119. It will bless you. Uh, but I'm not telling you, you have to. Okay. All right. Uh, we're going to split into groups.